Yeah, I would love to know. Um, actually, what's coming up for me straight away, and I hope you don't mind me asking this, mm-hmm. is um, do you feel that your your personality has changed, or do you feel that your your kind of approach to who you are has changed? And the reason I ask this is partly from my own kind of experience with who I am, but also I watched one of your older videos and um, yeah. in the in the Misfits Maven group, and um, and in that you describe yourself as an extreme introvert. Mm-hmm. Is that whereas I I thought that you kind of described yourself self as an extrovert these days. <laughs> I'm really happy to answer that. Um, so, so yeah, my first question and response was going to be since when? Um, because when you said like, so has your personality changed? I'm like, since ever? Since when? Like, you know, we go through different um, different iterations. But the thing that you're asking about here, I can specifically answer and answer it really well. So. I had my personality type verified in Jungian analytical and archetypal perspective and where I look at it as an operating system rather than a personality type. Yes. Because our personality, in my learned opinion, comes from nature and nurture. And so what we're really talking about here is the does your operating system change? Does your nature change? And because I believe that our nurture changes absolutely, right? So yes, I'll kind of go back a layer from that. In my, as a child, I was absolutely a dreamer and a um, and a player. And like my mum has these memories, and she reminded me of them recently. Of every time we went anywhere, she would find me chatting to someone and some child or some adult, but she would come over and go do you know that person? And I'd be like, no, I just met them. And (laughs) she was like, that would blow her brain because I would have very intimate, very um, deep conversation, even as a child with people I'd just met, right? Yeah. And then in my, and throughout my kind of adolescent, I I suppose, and, and into my 20s, I learned that that, that a lot of what was my intrinsic, nature wasn't normal wasn't okay and I really um I learned like a lot of innately feminine beings to be harder and to armor up and 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 in to understand what made people successful and to be driven by that too yeah and that took me into a path of, of television and um working in an industry that is immensely fast-paced and intense and is designed in many ways for extroverts yes yeah in that world i felt hugely introverted okay the only way i knew how to survive it was cocaine and so i had a huge cocaine habit in my 20s that most of my family and friends know about now, but not many people knew about um, then because I was also in the same way as in my teens, I was um, 
bulimic for years and no one knew about it because I've made a big show of saying how much I hate throwing up. Like I've I've always been someone who had a public self and a private self. I've always yeah. been someone who has like, this is who I show the world and this is who I keep for me. And that is another reason why I believed myself to be introverted because I had a side for the world and a side for me. And after I kind of opted out of, of drugs and alcohol and, and TV and really went and, and found another way of being, a slower, more quiet, more reverent way of being, that also involved separating myself quite a lot and kind of going into a cave and keeping my eyes on my own mat and, and learning who I was. And I discovered that I liked a lot of time alone. And again, that told me that I was an introvert. Yeah. When I started learning about personality typing and when I went and had a verification session with Chase, he told me almost instantly, he knew within 60 seconds without me very much, doing very much um, because there's so much about my being that tells him what type I am, that I was an ENFJ. And ENFJs are the most introverted of the extroverts. Okay. And in terms of personality typing, we have a cognitive stack and how we process the world isn't as simple simple as introvert and extrovert yeah, it has yeah. these four other functions as well which are really really important and so I often don't know how I feel until I extrovert it okay but there's a lot of other things that I don't extrovert and 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 so and this is a really really interesting thing so when he told me that I was an ENFJ I had a complete identity breakdown and crisis <laughs> Spent two days in bed being like, you're wrong. <laughs> and then How did that make you feel? Did that kind of just, like, other than blowing your world up, did it, yeah. How did that make you feel? Well, it, it, um, initially I was very much, like, just angry and frustrated of, like, you're wrong and how does somebody, uh, and, and again, like, being in a position, which is a very ENFJ thing, of how dare somebody else know me better than me? Like, yeah yeah and so I was there for two days and then and this is so my process generally in life and then I was like okay I'm ready to listen now what did you actually say and then listened to actually everything he'd said and realized that what he was really saying is this isn't a box to put you in but this yeah. is a system like this is your most natural self and so if you lean into it allow it to support you let you be who you are and not have to be all the other things it's actually really freeing and so the more I have allowed myself to be an ENFJ, the mm. more I have, in combination with some other things I should add, so in combination with human design and understanding that profile, in combination with um, my numerology, there's a lot of other stuff that kind of put I put in. Yeah. It has helped me to understand myself better, to yeah. understand how I operate better, and most importantly for me, let go of the things I'm not so that I can have more space. <laughs> yeah. What, so what that says to me is very much about, and, and I can relate as well from my own journey, is that feeling of being, like you said, boxed up. Mm. And we love polarities in our world. I don't know why, I don't know really where it comes from, but we love that idea that you're either this or that. And you can't be somewhere in the middle. And we talk a lot about, you know, kind of the autism spectrum. And yet there's still this feeling that you're either autistic or you're not. 
-hmm. And it's the same with personality types. Mm -hmm. And I felt very, very strongly about this in terms of, you know, when when I did um, my cognitive psychology research, you know, looking into the personality types and so on and and feeling quite strongly that I didn't first of all, I didn't want to be an introvert because I felt that that was somehow like being a social pariah. you know and um but second of all even then and this was you know 20 odd years ago feeling that there was more to me than that there was more to me than this the idea that I was this very insular person because I knew that I I also love being sociable and you know having deep conversations and and yes meeting new people even sometimes and it's so much more nuanced than I think we give it credit for. And a lot of that's to do with education. So actually, INFPs are a lot more sociable than ENFJs. Now, we're in each other's shadows, which is so... Um, I like the idea of people. Mm. I, like the, I, I like to create a party environment on <laughs> my terms. And when everyone shows up, I'm like, where is the INFP? Where is my best friend? Because this is too much for me. Now you do it, right? Whereas INFPs are kind of the other way around. They're like the thought of organizing it, and like setting it up and the expectation and people actually having to, like all of that's way too much and like hurts. But once yeah. there, you're like, oh, hi, I love you. How wonderful to see you. Particularly if an ENFJ has screened everyone. So they're only people you like. So when yeah. you understand this about each other and we work together, that for me is where the power is, right? Like we weren't designed to be all the same and we yeah. weren't designed to com- compete against one another. We were yes. designed as collaborative parts. I love that. We should hold a party. Yes. <laughs> so for me, like that's what my community is, right? Like I've worked really hard on creating a space where types come together that are compatible with one another and that make each other feel good and feel valued and feel recognized and feel seen. Because like you said, when you first get a a descriptor, so many people want to be more than that. Like, and so for me, I try not to refer to it actually as the letters, but much more as the archetype. Because I think the archetypes are much more helpful in terms of like, this is the character you are. Or if life is a play, this is the player, the role that you have. Yeah. 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 And I, yeah, I I can't actually remember what my archetypes are. But yes, it's that feeling of actually, oh, this is, it's almost like a role model or something. (laughs) So the, the INFP often comes up as the dreamer and mm. um, or the philosopher, right? And like that's, for me, that's so much more um, engaging, right? Than a bunch of letters. Totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. And the ENFJ is the cleric um, uh, amongst others. And it is like, it's, it's just, it's much, I, yeah, I find that archetypes can be more friendly and more inviting. Um, yeah, yeah. And where do you feel as well that our... So obviously it's that kind of, like you said, that operating system, but then you've got kind of external things that come into play and including things like that narcissist um, empath kind of relationship or dependency relationship. And for me, I can very much say that that kind of, it polarized my introversion so that on the one hand it would make me feel it would make me feel very insular and very kind of uh what's the word 
like a misfit very much and yet on the other hand I craved love support sociability all of that and so whenever I got the opportunity I'd kind of dive right in Mm. and um yeah I wonder how that for you how that kind of makes sense because I'm going to answer it from over here (laughs) and that's part of my job um I recently described in one of my pep talks the the world that we currently live in as a one-size-fits-all world and I hope very much that we're moving into a custom-fit world yes and what I mean by that is particularly so literally when I go into a shop and pick up an item of clothing that I'm interested in and the salesperson says with bright shiny face it's one size fits all I go oh <laughs> and put it back on the hanger okay and for so many of us that's what relating feels like right like there is one way to relate you must be in a um, heteronormative, monogamous, long-term relationship with the woman being in the feminine pole and the man being in the masculine pole. And like this, that's that's it. That is what life is. And if you can't fit in that, you're wrong. Mm. And that makes about as much sense to me as an outfit that is one size fits all, right? It's like, what? I am too short for this my boobs are too big for this like I will how do you make an outfit like a yeah. jumpsuit that fits every woman you're crazy yeah now, you're also crazy if you believe that relating is is similar like is this generic thing that we yeah it just isn't so it's a custom fit and I would be much happier in a world that where there were many uh, examples of how to find belonging connection togetherness freedom relatability intimacy you know all of those things because the standard way of doing it for many of us leaves us in a place where we end up feeling either like we are a doormat or we are in a codependent or that yeah. we are, are the narcissist ourselves that we are selfish that and so I quite passionately feel that those terms are really really unhelpful and are a side effect of a society that hasn't given us enough ways to relate to one another I think that's so interesting um partly because I totally hear where that's coming from and I agree I really I love the idea of celebrating those different types of relationships and also, um, in my 30s, I came to understand that my relationship with my mother was of a, a like, she was a narcissist, I was a whatever, um, you know, the, the victim, I suppose, at the time. And I, I had so many years of processing that relationship. Why didn't she love me? Why didn't she support me? Why didn't she do this? Blah, blah, blah. And I can see so clearly now that obviously part of her issues have been generational trauma as well. And, but that's taken me a long time, a long, long time, and so much work to process and integrate. And I would still say that I see her as a narcissist because in all of our interactions it's still there it's still prevalent 
so what how would you how would you kind of I don't know how would you compute that for me I suppose so firstly for me it's really it's we are not our behavior we identify with our behavior you called her a narcissist rather than she is a woman who exhibits to you narcissistic behavior right mm. Now, I don't know whether she does that in every single relationship, and I don't know whether she's identified with it. What I do know is that when enough people tell us we are something, we become it, because it's easier than fighting against it. We fall yeah. into the role, right? And what I also know is that one cannot exist without the other. And mm. so you can't have two narcissists in a relationship. It doesn't work. They repel, right? Like, it's too... Um, it's too whatever sides of them of the magnet they repel yeah. right and so do i think that um do i think that it is possible like do i think that you were the victim in the situation yes as a child absolutely and obviously mm. i do and it's part of our uh generational karma to work on it and yeah. she will have done some of it right now whether or not you can see it um whether or not it feels like it's enough, you know, all of those things. Yeah. That's all really, really personal. And I truly believe that each of us is doing the best we can with what we've got. Yeah. And what I also believe, and again, you know, I wrote about that this week, our parents didn't have, their parents didn't have, didn't even know there was a choice. Yes. Our parents, you know, they did things like they separated, they, they divorced, they tried to step away from the things that weren't working for them. And that was hard for them. And now we, as the generation after that, are, are not marrying in the first place because yes. we have a choice, right? And, and so it's like, let's not forget the circumstances of the situations that people find themselves in. Mm. What they were doing was making choices. You know, I know so many um, people of, of the generation above us who married to escape their parents. You know, they don't necessarily know that on a conscious level, but it was like they moved from one off, one safe but not safe environment into another safe yeah. but not safe environment. And I genuinely believe it's not fair to label somebody as a narcissist or as a codependent mm. as if that's finite and that's what they are, it's their identity now, rather yeah. than seeing it in the context of their whole life and as your generational line uh, and the pattern of that and, and who's doing which bit of work. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And, and you know, funnily enough, I, I, I do feel like I'm moving into that kind of phase now and that, you know, I can certainly, I can certainly empathize so much with her journey, even though we don't talk about it. She doesn't talk about it. You know, it's, it's very much closed for her, but. Um, and, and I should add that when I, um, I have firsthand experience of this, it's not just me theorizing for you, right? Like I, I have experience of this in my very personal life and and, and circumstances yeah. and I attract so many people into my world who have that same dynamic and that we are really really working on it together and I believe that there are three stages of it so the first piece is empowerment and it is understanding like you said mm. uh, the context of it and like how where you fit in and what and and also seeing the world from 
your perspective, right? Like needing to hear the story and see the story from how do I fit into it and what about me? And then as we do that work and we create some more space, then we step into that second place, which is really embodying that which we have learned, allowing it to pass through our body, somatically healing it, feeling it, passing it through. And also starting to see how do I relate? How do I relate to the other people in this story? How do I relate to other people who have also been through this? Like, how do I relate, right? Like, from first of all, it's just me to, oh, look, there are other people out there who have experienced this. Yeah. And then the third stage of the journey is expression. And at that point, it belongs, it, it comes to a place of, like, how do I share this how do I shortcut this for other people how do I normalize it how do I make it okay so that other people may learn and come into this space and I've really seen over the last 12 years really that I've been doing this work on this particular pattern in relationship with people that people move through those three phases and that it does whatever place you're in with it now it will shift and it will change and it will soften Thank you. That's a really, really empowering answer, I think, for, you know, I, I do know so many people in this situation. That's why I wanted to bring it up. It's not just me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would love to know, we talked a little bit about your kind of your personality journey. And um, but what about your your kind of the, the heart of who you really are? Like where where would would little ebony be amazed at where you are right now <laughs> i think that little ebony would like just not be surprised at all <laughs> like hashtag of course <laughs> i love that <laughs> <laughs> because that part of me like little ebony genuinely was a lion child right like such a like queen and absolutely lioness like would just be like well of course you have all of those things why would you not have all of those things why would you not have created that stuff and there would also be a part of her that would be like you're so grown up (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah how many things you do (laughs) genuinely because there's a little part of me that is still such a dreamer whose favourite place to be is, you know, alone, drawing, listening to a story, you know. And and I put myself in that position on purpose many times. Those people who know me, like my favourite place to be, like drawing with an audiobook on. Like I genuinely am still that little girl. Yeah. But it takes a lot for me to get there. I have to... I have to either consciously create space so that I can be there or if it's not conscious and for years it wasn't there's a part of my personality type that needs to make sure that everything is taken care of and everything that I know what's going on everywhere before it feels safe enough for me to pop myself in this bubble okay yeah Hmm. nice yeah and and would she be Do you feel that she is still there within you and that you're very much connected to her? Absolutely, yeah. And that it wasn't always the case. 
You know, mm. I have done vast amounts of inner child work, transactional analysis work, therapy, embodiment, like all of the stuff that I have done has been to reconnect me with the the shadow parts, the disconnected parts, the um, disowned parts, the quiet parts, the too loud parts, and you know, the overly feminine parts, like all of that. And so it is with great pride, actually, that I say, yes, you know, all of those small parts of me come with me now. But I had to go and get them. You know, I yeah. left a lot of them along my way. I kind of abandoned parts of me that were like annoying or too slow or not able to keep up or, you know, all of that or too or too wounded or too sore or too vulnerable or too fragile or whatever or too shouty or too angry or like there's yeah. so many parts of me that along the way I went, no, I haven't got time for you. No, I haven't got time for you. And particularly over the last six years, I have reclaimed them all and find myself in a position today where there are no parts of me I'm not willing to meet and that wow. is a nice place to be. That was one of my next questions was um was kind of where where do you feel you are now on that journey? Are you, you know, we're always working on something and um, what are you working on right now, for example? On a, on a, you know, like I would love to be able to answer that question surfacely. I would love to be able to say, I'm working on this. I can't, you know me. I, um, <laughs> I'm working on intimacy, actually, like really working on letting myself be seen in my fullness, in my range, and not, I described it to in, in one of my mastermind groups recently as, for the longest time, and I had only just realised it as I said it, but for the longest time, the PR com- until the PR committee have worked out what I am feeling and how to spin it, I don't share how I'm feeling. Okay. And um, and so it's like I when I am feeling and I am not sure what I'm feeling yet, I lock myself away until I have felt it, um, understood it, and and made a narrative for it. And then I can come and share with the world and go, yes, yes, I feel like this, but it fits in with this, 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 you know, and there's that whole thing. And I'm really yeah. working on just being so much messier mm. and so much less controlled with how I am perceived. Okay. And how does that feel now? Obviously you're kind of open to it yes it's so uncomfortable like I want to swear so badly I'm like it's It's all right we've been swearing (laughs) so fucking uncomfortable it's the most uncomfortable thing in the world right like to discover that there are more layers of control freakery within me that actually control like what I am willing to feel in the presence of others like that's ridiculous but it's also true right like I hadn't realized how deep the armor runs, how controlled and poised and remarkable I am at navigating the narrative, right? And like spinning it in a certain Mm. way so that I can feel privately, so that I can go, and and again, that's a personality type thing because as my, my personality type, the, the cognitive stack means that I don't know what I feel until other people know what I feel. 
Yeah. That feels very disarming for me, particularly as someone, because of my cognitive stack, I know how everybody else in the room is feeling. <laughs> right? So everyone, because I'm so good and so quick at understanding how everyone else feels, there is an assumption that I know how I feel. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Owning that, and again, that's why I find the typing system so powerful, and, and, and like being able to express that to a room is wonderful. Yeah. Do you wish everybody knew this? Yes. <laughs> like, I really do. And I wish that they, like I see a lot of people teaching it for marketing purposes, right? Like yeah. understanding my avatar and then like essentially manipulate them into buying. And I don't agree with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't not agree with it, but I, the thing I want everyone to know is in terms of relatedness. Right. And so I was talking to Jonathan a couple of days ago. So I run my business with Jonathan and um, there was something came up and he's studying cognitive stack at the moment for, for a thing that we're doing. And one of the things that came up is that I don't have um, a recall function. I can my ability to recall is based on how I felt in the situation. Not yeah. Right, so it's always coloured by my feeling of the room or the circumstance of the situation. Is that not the same for everyone, though? No. Nope. So some people can remember the facts, right? Other people cannot remember the facts; they only remember the feelings. Other yeah. people remember how everyone else feels. So there's there's all sorts of different ways that we remember. Mm. And so he and I, we were talking, and I was saying. Next time I'm in a relationship with someone who says, you did that, and I say, no, I didn't, can you remind them that I'm not lying? I just don't remember doing it. <laughs> and he was like, yes, I can, because that's it's absolutely true. It's not that I'm lying. And, they can, they can, and I've had this with my parents, right, over years. They were like, you did that, or you didn't do that. And I'm like, yes, I did. And so for me, having thought about it, having written it down, having journaled it, really is almost the same as having done it and in recall I'm, I'm like did I did I do that I don't mm. know and so that's why like on those little elements if we could understand each other better and understand how each other remembers and what our deepest fears are because our, our deepest fears what we're worried about the part of our brain that tricks us all of that is is individual and clouds what we actually see in a room what we learn yeah. in a room you know yeah, yeah. And I feel right now, especially, that um I, I really wish that we could we could all learn to understand each other better and that things aren't just black and white. I really feel like this last year in particular, you know, especially through social media, the polarization is just off the scale and that it's it's creating in us that that inability to connect and to relate yeah. to different types of people on different levels. Yeah. yeah, there's two parts of that I actually want to, to talk back on. One is, I am aware through some of the conversations that I've been listening to that um, people of colour find the Myers-Briggs particularly, but personality typing, really uh, problematic for many people. Okay, yeah. And in part my understanding of it and obviously I'm willing to be wrong um, but in part my understanding of that is a bit like 
for women, um, seatbelts were designed for men, not women. Um, you know, so much of our world and the data that we have and the systems that are created and we use every day were created essentially for white men, right? Yes. And, you know, then then for for women and then for you know as it filters down. And so um, there have not been studies into everybody. So the sixteen personality types may very well. Like, I can sit and go, oh, there are 16 operating systems. Wouldn't it be cool if we understood them? Yeah. There might be 20. There might be yeah. 20. Like, I don't know. And so I use it really with a pinch of salt and say, it is working for me and my people. And I'm open to it not being mm. helpful for everybody. And wouldn't it be cool if, and what I'm really hoping for is this custom fit world where we really do do the data on more people so that we can have something that actually fits everybody that would be and cross-culturally as well because obviously it's a very westernized viewpoint yes absolutely yeah so that and then there was something I wanted to ask wanted to talk about and, and you wrote a Facebook post the other day and I was writing one at the same time and then I saw yours and I didn't publish mine <laughs> and, I'm uh, sorry <laughs> don't worry, I didn't publish mine but it's been sitting there and I was like oh I'm gonna wait and see if I can talk to Zoe about it so the post that I was going to write was, in my immediate family, half of the people um, have had or are waiting for the vaccine. Mm. And half of the people um, are very clear that they don't want to, that it isn't right for them, and that they will be choosing not to. And in my immediate family, because of the work that we have all done and the way that we were raised and... Uh, this idea of being maven that I am so passionate about, of holding more than one truth in the palm of one hand and allowing yourself to see that. Yeah. There is no animosity. There is no division. There is no yeah. side. There is no binary hate or right and wrong or, or any of that. Yeah. Yet, like you, when I step onto social media or I step out into the the very controlled narrative that I see out in the world... Yes. It is divisive and they they want us to pick a side, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was there a question in that or <laughs> I didn't raise it because I'd seen your point your post and I was like, yes, this. Like yeah. can we please continue to have conversations where we make it okay for people to disagree with one yes. another? Yeah. Being, well, you can't be my friend then. Right. Yeah, and honestly, that's I think I've I've really struggled to express or even understand actually how I feel about this um over the last 12 months or so because I have a very deep connection to um my values and also because of, you know, my kind of healing journey you know, those values have become even more important to me. And so with that filter, it's it has been hard for me to understand why somebody might choose something different. Because for me, you know, from my viewpoint, from my research, etc, etc, it feels so wrong. And yet, that is the beauty of social media as well as that you can see other people's 
stories you know you can hear what they what they've gone through you can look at their circumstances and i i so part of my typing is that i think i i am a mediator as well so i literally can hold all truths at once and um, I can see all points of view and I can empathize with them all. So that comes into play. And I just, I just want everybody to get along. <laughs> yeah. I just want everybody to understand that there is not one fact here. There is not one truth. And, you know, for so many types of people, the one true path is a thing for them right and they 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 operate with one true path throughout everything and and they are fixed and that does work for them and they cannot understand how you could have different choices in different circumstances now i am a classic example of that so i don't it's something i talk about a lot because it's funny and trivial but i don't have my coffee the same any one day right like you cannot i it's not how ebony has her coffee like that i just don't right like yeah sometimes i have it with with cow milk sometimes i have it with hemp milk with nut milk with no milk with butter with maple syrup with sugar with none right like genuinely any given day i will have it a different way your house sounds like a lot of fun <laughs> Thanks. But it dry, like for some people, that's really frustrating. Like, you know, for them, it's like, surely you just have your coffee. Like, you know how you like it and you have it that way. And I'm like, I like it always. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I need more sweetness and other times I don't. Like, it depends where I am in my cycle, depends what's going on. Like, yeah. Also, if you give yeah. it to me and you've made it, that's the most important thing. I actually don't care about any of the other things. Oh. Coffee, how wonderful is that? Yeah. Yeah. So, in that same vein, I agree with you. You know, it would be really, truly wonderful if we could stop labeling each other. And I come back to that same thing around like codependence and narcissists. It's the same as like anti vax and vaxxers. Like for me, those, those descriptions, those identifiers, those titles, those like devil, God, you know, yes. polarizing things are just really unhelpful and yet we've been so conditioned into it particularly as liberals and i identify myself in, in there it can be dangerous we can be dangerously unaware of how um, hypocritical we're being yeah actually. yeah because I'm, and I know someone called me out on this the other day, and it was um, really interesting to see. I said something along the lines of, "If you think that um, this was around the Meghan Markle interview, if you think that Meghan is just making it up, blah 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 blah, please like check your bias and leave." Because I want, I really believe that you are making that based on her skin color, on her sex, on her um, history, on her like all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And somebody said to me, you know, by saying if you if you're not this then leave you're yeah. just as judgy yeah yeah like you know what you're right and i'm willing to rephrase it and be like if you're not open to seeing another point of view then i have then please get out of my living room right yeah yeah mm. and that's that's kind of that was what fueled that post for me as well is that 
originally i think what wanted to come through you know immediately was something quite judgmental and divisive like that and i kind of sat with it for a bit and you know i chose the words quite carefully because i wanted it to be inclusive rather than exclusive mm. and that also for me i need to learn as well that you know my judgment is very much there it's not that I'm just kind of looking out at the world and saying you're all being very judgmental <laughs> yeah I mean honestly what I you know there's a, a very you know, I've been in the personal development world pretty much my whole life I came from this world my my parents are both in it as well and so at a very young age I learned the, the expression what I see in you I honor in me and it's so true, right? Like what I see in you, I honor in me, because ultimately what we see in another is a reflection of something in ourselves. And that works both ways. Now, yes. If you ever um, ask someone to give somebody else a compliment, that might sound weird, but in my world, we would do that a lot, right? Ask someone to share a compliment or say something wonderful that you see in another human. Mm. They will always say, the things that they value yeah that are them as well right so i often tell people you know you're so creative you're so fun you're so full of light and obviously or maybe not obviously to everybody like what i see in you i honor in me right yeah simultaneously because that's how the world works when we're like oh you're so judgy you're so close-minded you're so like whatever we're also saying what we see yeah because it's there in us too yeah yeah absolutely and I recognize that in myself as well so that's why I kind of I have to kind of just yeah take a moment sometimes and most of what I've shared on on socials this year has has I've really kind of cut back in terms of what I share because I find myself going down that route of you know this is what I believe you all need to look at this <laughs> which you know in some respects maybe that's true but also it's very it's kind of it's that polarizing thing again and and it, I don't find it very helpful when I see other people post in that way it just riles you up whether you're for it or against it yeah and there's a level of it coming from a place of um being a lighthouse and wanting to show people who you are and what you stand for mm. you know like in the last week or so seeing seeing men choose to either say something or not say something yeah be a taste of what it must be like for somebody else when they see someone say something or not say something and so I think that from one lens it can be for the sake of it and for controversy or or, or you know to, to yeah. provoke in some way yeah and in other ways it can be really affirming you know like for, so for me an example um I have on the very limited bio space for someone who likes to write essays um, on the very limited bio space that I have on my Instagram. I always write she, her. Yeah. And that might be really obvious to lots of people. They're like, well, you're a heterosexual woman who is you know, clearly whatever they want to think. But by using my pronouns, I tell people 
that I am a safe place, that I am an ally, mm. that I care about these things, that I am open to these things. And that's really important for people who don't have it as obvious or as normative or as whatever. And so sometimes it is virtue signaling and sometimes it's signaling, right? And sometimes it's sharing your opinion and sometimes it's creating a reaction. And I think yeah. what's different is the intention behind yes. it because nothing, no one else can tell. It's a bit like when you go to yoga no one on the outside can tell whether you're putting any effort in. No yeah. one else can tell. It's your body. Only you can tell whether you're holding your banders or putting your any effort in or breathing. No one else can tell. And so your intention has to be personal. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a really fabulous way of thinking about it and, I, and, and of reframing for everyone on social media, I think. Absolutely. Oh, what... Um, what motivates you to keep coming back to this work, do you think? I literally don't know who else to be or how else to be. Yeah. I've never had a proper job in my life. I've never done anything else. Yeah. I, I've tried. Um, I last about 24 hours in a job. I have. Um, I mostly try and tell them how to do it better and then they don't like it and fire me. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, it sounds really cliche at this point, and so I, I feel reticent to say it, but it is my mission, it's my purpose, it's what I'm here for. And if I, if I don't do it, I don't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can I can relate to that as well. I, I had a, a professional role for about 18 months that's it and <laughs> my whole life <laughs> and you know I worked in the film industry I really tried to you know <laughs> to, to to be normal I really yeah. wanted to a lot of my story is like I really wanted to be normal you know you don't get you know I was my Ebony is my real name I went to a Steiner school I lived in a commune a house truck um you know all sorts of different things I'd lived in seven countries before I was seven I have this kind of very eclectic um I guess background and start in life and what and my rebellion was like I wanted normal I cannot tell you how much <laughs> tv dinners e-numbers like I just to watch neighbors to own Reeboks like, oh. I wanted normal so badly and and I kind of I went through all of that I got it and was like oh okay right <laughs> so now I am me again I suppose but it it's um I, I can't do anything else. No, it's really lovely to hear you say that because basically that's how we're raising our kids. <laughs> and we've always said of, um, of of our boy in particular, um, who is on the autism spectrum, and uh, he uh, he's very kind of straight laced and likes things a very particular way. And we've right from the when he was a baby, actually, we've always joked that he was going to be like the banker in the family or something. <laughs> And it, might still happen. Happen. and it might still happen you know my um there are members of, of of my family who have lots of normal things and mm. for whom that really works um and then there's elements of um i think all of us always have arnica 
rescue remedy and yeah. lavender and tea tree oil in our bags I mean regardless of where we work or how we show up in the world or how normal we are and so <laughs> there will always be a part of it that sticks yeah yeah no absolutely oh that's lovely I want to be mindful of your time and um I would I would oh, there's so much I want to ask you honestly but um where do you feel we are now in terms of humanity and what's shifting and perhaps also what what is humanity's kind of core truth right now or multiple truths what needs to happen or shift do you feel so a long 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 time ago we lived in a society that was a matriarchy right like that was it was a matriarchy and there was there was too much uh abundance and abundance is not always a good thing right like it's very much touted as a good thing but it means an overflow right and it was just it yeah. was too intoxicating it was too, it was too much for whatever reason there was no structure there was no order there was you know it was just an overflow of everything which is essentially chaos and we then have also lived in a, in a patriarchy which is very much like okay well you know so, we, so the, the, the the other side of things where things are structured for the sake of like structured and you know 10 different types of paperwork just to say you're allowed to do something right like it's also crazy and and so both neither working separately i think is the point i'm trying to make neither working separately yeah. going to be uh the future and where we are now as we move more and more into the aquarian age which will take um you know, we're right really at the beginning of that settling, of that landing. We won't have fully adjusted into that time for another 80 to 90 years where that's, mm. so in 80 to 90 years, we will be fully in Aquarius, right? And, and into that way of living. And where I see us going with that is unity, is really about coming together, being um greater than the sum of our individual parts is working in community in connection really moving into a place of we over me and we've been in me we kind of had the height of me if you like and in, in i mean in some ways i feel like the 80s was the very height yeah of me, right yeah which is wonderful as you come to the end of a of an era to like come out of that like me that's the whole point of the piscean age to get into this place where we now need to shift into we and what it means to work together and that that gender will become more and more and more less binary and yeah. so will um operating systems so well you know we will move into a place where uniqueness is revered um and equity becomes more and more important as everybody is as valuable as one another whilst they are being true to themselves and each have a part. And whether that means that we will return to a concept of villages or communities or, or working in smaller confines, I don't know. But what I have seen kind of anthropologically is that you know, lots and lots of individual groups what looking out for themselves kind of doesn't work. And yeah. trying to all work together also doesn't work, right? Yeah. Too, it's too clunky. You see it in, in corporations and, and, and stuff like that. And so I think that we'll start to find 
better sized chunks for us to work in that allow us to really be human in the best possible ways and to be free and belong to work to have this kind of interconnectedness and and for me that's where all these shadows of, of narcissism of codependency of interdependence of ultra dependence all of that stuff is really coming through yeah so that we can come to a place of of being both individual and sovereign and part of a collective and that it yeah. is that separate truth and combined truth that the next stage of human development is really about wow well i'm excited for that i don't know about everybody else but um yeah that sounds wonderful to me it does sound wonderful but it also sounds like a long way to go it and does it's a little bit like saying, I'm going to come in and declutter your house and leave you only with the things that are beautiful and that you love, right? It's like, yeah. if someone said that to you, you'd be like, oh my God, yes, please. That sounds heavenly to have a house full of only things I love. And then I say, okay, but in order for us to get there, I need to empty everything you've ever owned onto the floor. And I'm going to kind of have to live with it and step over it for a bit and like find things you'd forgotten about and don't like and find the cupboard where no one's kind of cleaned up a, a bowl of cereal that's been <laughs> in years. And, you know, and, and that is the bit, unfortunately, that we have to go through together first is emptying all the cupboards and seeing what we find yeah yeah that is so much the process we're going through right now absolutely yeah so ebony what when you're going through your toughest times because you seem to me like a person who always has it together but i know that we're we're all people we're all humans so that's not the case <laughs> it's not the case what do you what like how do you get back to that core part of yourself so really summed up in the two things i said right so one is to remember that i am separate from everybody else that i i don't rely on everyone else that i don't have to wait for everybody else that i don't need to know what everyone else is doing so much of my world is like is is um collaborative right like is, yeah um, what's it called affiliative like i'm such an affiliative being that sometimes i need to remember that i it's okay for me to choose me first and it and so that can really involve being separate from right i need some time alone where i draw or um really honestly like story binge whether that is netflix or audiobooks yeah or storybooks are my favorite like i just find me like a seaside romance with <laughs> who leaves the city and meets a, you know whatever like i love that show. um and so that is a part of it of like art uh, separateness and, and uplifting stories of like finding each other right like that mm -hmm. stuff really takes me back into my core and then i need um to be heard and whether that is by one friend or a group of friends, mm. once I figured out what it is that hurt or that I was experiencing when I know what emotion it actually was that I was with, because I often don't know what emotion yeah. I was with until I'm there, then I need someone to listen so that I can go, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then I am done and I am back. Fabulous. Well, it has been a joy to chat to you today and to find out so much more about you. Where can people find you online? 
my favourite place to be is Instagram, has to be said. Um, although I try not to be there every day, so don't worry about me if I'm not there every day, I'm fine. Um, but Instagram is my favourite at Ebony Allard and also at Misfit.forlife. So I show up in both places. And then um, on the interwebs, I'm at EbonyAllard.com and Ebony is with an IE, not a Y. And, or MisfitForLife.com. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. He's, I think we've we've covered a bit of everything. <laughs> kind of how I operate. Thank you. And I love to do stuff like this. But And it always surprises me when people are like, I didn't know that about you. I'm like, I feel like I'm a very open book. So <laughs> I love, love to have these conversations. And thank you for your questions, which is just really fun. And really awesome. Fun. We'll, have a, we'll have to have a second installment at some point. Love that. Yeah.